welcome T.S. O'Connell. Welcome Rich Klein, regular almost co-host for this. T.S., longtime veteran of Krause and F&W, a hobbyist, uh, artist, editor, worn many hats as, as both Rich and I have too. So we're going to enjoy hearing T.S.'s background and uh, hobby journey. Thanks sponsors, Tops Panini and Upper Deck Heritage Auctions, Harkin Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Don't want to rub in the Beckett stuff, TS, but I remember you and, and your teammates at, at Krause being worthy participants, not in a battle, but I really feel like between us, we really helped grow the pie. And I want to thank you for your part in that because we've had a great hobby run that we've all really enjoyed. So welcome to the show and give us a little yeah. more uh, color on your hobby background, how you got to Krause, how you, what you're doing now, and it's great to see you. And welcome, Rich, too. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And and thanks for remembering Connell and Son, Inc., which was the That's entity I created good. almost 40 years ago. No way. Yeah, 19. That over, early, though it came in series. So were, you do, were you releasing them as you were doing the art? I'll, get, I'll give you, I'll try to make it a two-minute intro just because there's a fun, modern connection to it. In 1981 or 83, let's say, I designed the Baseball Great Series. I had this idea that I wanted to see art linked to baseball cards. So I, I was working as a public relations director for the Empire State Games in New York at the time. And the O'Connell and Sun Inc. was a, a way to hook up with my dad. So I was going to do the artwork and my dad was going to do the mailing and things. So the cards, the, f- the four by six inch cards, 20 baseball greats were done in Indiana. And then in June of that year, Mario Cuomo got elected governor of New York and wanted all of the PR positions to be his people. <laughs> so a certain youngster named, let's see, what's the Chris? The, the Cuomo that just Chris. ran into some difficulties there. Chris. Uh, Both, <laughs> but yeah. Chris no, not Chris. Chris just got let go it? at CNN. The governor's, He's in trouble too. Yeah, yeah I'm blanking Andrew. on the governor's name anyway. The Andrew. governor was Andrew was handling campaign stuff for his father and came into my boss's office and said, you got to give O'Connell up. And if you give us any trouble, you're next. My boss was a very powerful man in amateur <laughs> sports, but it took him five years to get him. But they got me at that time. <laughs> so suddenly I was out of work. I had a what for me was a huge debt of twenty five hundred dollars for the printing of the baseball greats. And I moved down to Delaware, got married. And for about three years, I did just the O'Connell and Sun Inc. Sold the baseball greats that first year. And then from 84 on, I made a set of mini prints, 36 at a time, standard size cards. And that lasted a few years. And I think in 86, I got a very polite letter from Major League Baseball asking to see my uh, authorization for using logos and since they knew I had no such thing, I stopped using logos and continued O'Connell and Sun Inc. with, with a, a few more mini printings, but not using logos. And then in 93, I went to work for Krause and put it all to bed. Bob Lemke or Krause's radar because of your artistic ability, your editorial ability, your PR, or your set. Was Bob a, a collector and some of those guys up there collectors to where they knew of you or were you just... I freelanced for him. The, the okay. short answer... Okay. Most effective answers is I wrote a lot of, I think, good freelance articles starting around the mid 80s. So when I interviewed Bob Lemke, hired me, God love him, in yeah. 1993. And how much of a culture 
shift was it moving from New York and Delaware, which is the East Coast, to Iola, the area of Iola, Wisconsin? I guess there was some of that. I, I One of the ways that I mitigated any concerns about that was I used to love the travel associated with first being an associate editor and then editor of SCD. If I hadn't got out of town five or six times a year for some nationals and big shows, I, I suppose I might have been a little stir crazy in a town without a stoplight, but it worked out just fine. Travel was very important to me, and I didn't want it to be so narrow that the editor of SCD out and about and, out and about. seeing what happens in the big world. I just wanted to have you always been a nostalgia guy because I think the hobby in the 80s and 90s was more nostalgia. It's more what's going on right now because I'm a nostalgic guy. I think Rich is too, to a great degree. Were you always like that? Yeah, pretty much. That described? When I joined the Navy in 1968, I said to my mother, do what you will with anything that I have, but the baseball cards have got to be there intact when I get out. And and so my mother did not throw mine out simply because I asked her not to. And, and it has always been important. Uh, note, note to others out there, perhaps you should, instead of blaming your mother, you should blame yourself for not telling your just, mother. It's, that's right. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult. <laughs> yeah. Now, my question is when I would go to a show, I walked around. I never liked really being cons- constrained to a table or a booth when I worked for Dr. Jim. And Jim would have meetings, but he could walk around a bit. I'd always see you at the Krause table. Yeah. And so I was wondering how much you actually got to walk around at like a national. Oh, I always made sure I got to walk around. That was you know one of the funnest things. Plus, I needed to get out and, and yeah. talk to the dealers and make sure I understood what was going on. But man, at those Rosemont shows, I'd, I'd walk until my knees and ankles and everything else ached. So yeah, I got out and, and that was an important part of it. Those concrete floors are no fun. Oh. Yeah. The older you get, the tougher they get. That's the only benefit of being behind the booth. If there's a little rug or pad back there, <laughs> it's uh, easier than, than uh, crunching through the, the concrete. So you talked about the challenges of doing the set once you had to do the logos. What was your biggest challenge when you were SCD editor in a market that was beginning almost, I don't want to say decline, but was definitely contracting up, especially with print once the internet came roaring? As both of you guys know, the, the, the World Series cancellation took it took a hit on our hobby in, in 94 advertising revenues, which had been so phenomenal for SCD during the, the height of it started in the other direction and then probably accelerated after the turn of the century. So coping with trying to keep an editorial product that we could be proud of in the face of pretty generally declining advertising revenues was probably the biggest challenge. Technically not supposed to be a challenge for an editor that's supposed to be a separate domain, but as we all know, <laughs> there's intersections there. The original Krause and maybe even F&W really had a much better blend than we had at Beckett Publications in terms of advertising, classified advertising, dealer advertising, and, a, and, a, and editorial. We could never keep up with you on the advertising side. Yeah, but I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. They were two different beasts. But I'm saying you you had had, a, we were more toward the one side and you were more toward the other side. Yep. But you had a little more of a blend, I think. You had a lot of ad revenue. We we would have liked to have had that, <laughs> but we did fine. But it just shows there's a lot of different niches in the hobby and, and the Krause. What happened to the Krause culture? As You were there when Chet was still the owner or was there an sure. East oh, yeah. Or then the F&W came in. How were you impacted by those transitions? I think when I started in 93, there was something like in a town of 1,300 people, there were 435 people worked at Krause. And 
certainly by the time of the sale at the turn of the century, it had already started going the other direction and then it became more precipitous. So that was a huge part of the changes that we all had to deal with. A, a company that had been so dynamic in the community become each year less and less. But I can't go through this without mentioning that Chet Krause was a giant among men and his impact on this community. You, you couldn't overstate it if you wanted to, and nobody would want to. Great guy, yeah. I, I thought there was an ESOP, and then F&W came in and, and, and acquired the whole thing. Is that Chet installed the ESOP, I think, around 1988, and that's what was sold in, in 2001 as the employees essentially sold right. their shares, and, and everybody who had been there for some period did very well. And and some of the people who had been there since the very beginning, when they got the shares at the best rate, did remarkably well. So he fixed the careers of a lot of people. He certainly helped mine. I did. How'd that change the culture? Because basically, surely at that point, you're staying there. But my recollection is some key people left when they were cashed out. Some did, but I attribute some of that to simply having the ability to, to do the cash out was so phenomenal for some of them. But it did change. There was a time when I had worked through my life. I had worked at the Pentagon and I had worked for New York State at at its edifice in Albany. So I had worked for two of the biggest bureaucracies in the world. And, and I thought the time at Krause was just incredible. It, it was such a friendly, fun organization to work for. That started to change with once you sell out to private equities and all the pressures that come with revenue and all that. So that changed, but it was still a heck of a career for me to, to be able to work in a hobby that I loved. Through it all, were you collecting? You're producing cards. You're selling yeah. your own cards over the years, but what was your collecting interest? I kept by gently asking my mother to keep them. I kept my cards. In 1970, I was in the Navy over in the Philippines, and I ordered a set of 1970 tops from Larry Fritch and asked my mother to just leave it in the box. And so I bought those cards from Fritch over the 70s. And then in the late 80s, when things got smoking, I started to try to fill in sets that I'd never had. So I built a 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, and then into the 60s. And now since retirement, I've sold pretty much everything except my favorites, which is 59 and 60. So I always said you can tell how old somebody is by if they're collectors, ask them what their favorite year is, and you can add eight or nine years, and that's the age. I hear you. We're the similar age, I think. So fond memories. But uh, So are you still going to nationals? What is your hobby involvement? Other than I I love my work with Blado and working on his auction catalogs, I haven't gone to a national or even much of a decent show in 10 or 11 years, but that's primarily because I have these four wonderful great nieces and nephew. And every year we've gone to the wilderness park at Wisconsin Dells and it matches the time of the national convention every year. So I go with the kiddies and flash around and that's just fine. They're they're running a big reschedule that one. Actually it's in Atlantic city. So it's a little further than Chicago, but you might want to reschedule see if they're having another of the huge Wisconsin Dells summer shows. Yeah. And schedule your trip with the great nieces and nephews for that weekend. Yeah, Wisconsin Dells. Rich, you may not be one of the top shows in the country. Yeah. My, yes, but my sister schedules the grandmother schedules the time for the Wisconsin Dell trip. Okay, you may want to talk have to grandma then and tell any her any desire to contradict instead. I want to go off for a day. 
<laughs> Grandma's the boss. Like Jim says, I'll go to a Wisconsin Dells show maybe someday. Well, they're good. They're good. So that'll be great. Any questions you have of us? Because Rich and I have been slogging along in the hobby from our vantage points for all these years and had many pleasant interactions with you, but don't see as much. Jim, do you remember we played golf about 10 years ago in Maui? It was a vacation at... Oh, one of the things a kid had when he had a, a special outing? I mean, yeah, it was one of yeah, it was one of his. So we had, I think, I spent a week or ten days and played the plantation course three times. I love it, and that was I love downhill holes. Do you still get to Maui at all, or why? I haven't been in a couple of years, but who who can go to Hawaii now because you can't? There's the oh, traveling challenges, but I'm looking forward to getting back out there. And uh, Kit's always been a good friend, and it's a great. I just need an excuse, like yeah. we're saying. Even, well, <laughs> Even Kit didn't get there last year because, because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, He spent the year in the mainland. Yeah, he, he doesn't have such a tough life on the mainland either. But <laughs> T.S., thanks for uh, sharing your time with us. We'll do another episode again. And thanks, Rich. Great to catch up. And Yeah, anytime. The man-